Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is a victory lap edition of our sports podcast because I am a big Braves fan, but my wife's an even bigger Braves fan, and my buddy Ernest Watts in Rockingham, North Carolina, is even a bigger Braves fan. And last night, it happened. For the second time since they moved to Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves won the most unlikely scenario, Ernest, for any playoff team this year. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I've I've ventured to say I've watched 95% of the games, including spring training this year, and this was an exasperating team. Uh, they didn't get over. Yes, they didn't get up to 500 till April 5th. They they had a stretch where they'd get one game under 500 and lose a game, win a game, lose a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win a game. Uh, their best pitcher, Mike Soroka, had tore up an Achilles tendon last year because he tripped. They thought he would come back in April, and a day before his he was supposed to return for a minor league assignment, he tears up the same Achilles tendon again. Uh, Marcus Azuna, who was the leader in RBIs last year in 2020, uh, gets into a domestic dispute and probably will never play Major League Baseball again. He breaks his hand trying to take third on a, a, a single while he's on first base. Um Ronald Acuna, who is one of the top five talents in Major League Baseball, he makes a difficult catch in Miami against uh, the Marlins and tears up his knee. So it seems like anything and everything could go wrong, went wrong for this team. And there was serious was talk at the All-Star break when they were three games under 500 about selling off talent. And... They decided, and I think they have the fifth worst record to win a World Series, to invest in in four new outfielders. I mean, the, the complete outfield that they played in first of June was not even on the roster come playoff series team. And they kind of got into a lucky situation in because they won a division. They had home field advantage against the Dodgers team which is a wild card team, which won 103 games. It was it was an interesting, and, and I remember in the middle of the season fussing about the bullpen, but what wins the playoffs is their bullpen. But <laughs> the, again, the first four months, they blew lead after lead, and it's it's a reversal that is, truly is amazing. It's, it's compared to the 95 team, which was had the, the pressure of that was their third appearance in four years in the World Series. And there was the pressure of the, the great lineup of, of Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz. There was a pressure. And Avery, because, I think. And Avery. I mean, in the beginning. But people look at that team in the 90s, and Braves call themselves the team of the 90s. And they think that one World Series is kind of like, you know, not as bad as the Buffalo Bills, uh, but just as bad. You know, the, the fact that they would win in regular season but could win in the, the World Series. And this was probably the least expected All-Star uh, World Series victory of all time. Well, I saw a 30 for 30 on ABC last weekend, and they were talking about the Mets having that amazing run, winning the World Series, first beating the Dodgers and then um, beating the Red Sox. How would you compare the two teams? Wow. you got to remember, that was a media capital, and you had, a, you had, uh, you had Strawberry, and you had Gooden. I mean, that was a team that, that people thought was going Keith to be Hernandez. good. Keith Hernandez. Mookie. Ray Knight was the MVP in the, in the World Series. Mookie uh, Wilson. Uh, Gary Carter. And, yeah, Gary Carter. I mean, yeah, they're small of famers there. Uh, you know, Strawberry and, and, and Gooden at that time were thought to be the best players. They would develop be the best players of all time. They got tripped up by uh, uh, substance abuse. But that was a young team we just didn't think they were ready for. This Braves team was – there were – Paul, there were two teams that had better records than they did that weren't in the playoffs. 
the the Mariners, and I'm trying to think who the other Padres? Cardinals. Oh, Cardinals. That's right. Yeah. Cardinals well, how many Hall of Famers on this current uh, Braves team? They just won. Well, you got a lot of young talent, but you know, Freddie to me is is the only one now who's assured. Now, Kuna could be uh, at some time. Uh, Alves could be at some time. We don't know what Austin Riley is going to be. You know, Austin Riley reminds me of 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 uh, a, a Troy Gloss, uh, that type of player, borderline in that respect. Remember Troy, Troy Gloss when he played for the Angels, uh, kind of a Bob Horner type. But that's that's it right now. The only assured that, that is 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 Freddie. And uh, you know, Brian Snicker is is an amazing story. There's a guy who toiled away for the, the, the brave system for so many years. And when a new manager would he'd be on the major league roster, he was a third base coach, but a new manager came in and knocked him down to where he goes single A. And uh, you know, what his claim to fame, if you've ever seen the movie Bull Durham, Annie, who is the protagonist of the movie, she is, and it's basically this play on a term called a baseball Annie, which if you know much is women that follow after baseball players. In her mirror, she has the picture of one baseball player, and it's Brian Snitker because he was the manager of the Durham Bulls while they were filming Bull Durham in that <laughs> respect. And the irony is his son is the hitting coach for the Astros, and they pretty much shut down, so I hope he didn't endanger his son's job through all this but it's 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 of all the sports baseball is like a long novel because of the length of the season and the dips and the follows i mean you lose two games in baseball season no one thinks much about it you lose two games back to back in the nfl and coaches start worried about their jobs but it's yeah, that's it you can be in a record like this it's 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 kind of like the, the Washington Nationals three years ago, who were in last place in June, but got hot and and wound up winning the same Astros in a seven game series instead of six. So baseball is that that type is something the, the nuance to it and the length to it, and it, you enjoy it in that respect. And the Braves have a, a unique relationship because they're really truly the like the St. Louis Cardinals. They're a regional franchise the rockies are like that also in that it's not the the particular town it's the whole region you know from pretty much north carolina to louisiana is braves country even down florida it's fascinating when i've been to florida uh, the orlando radio station is not the rays and it's not the marlins it's the braves the braves the braves have the largest radio network of any major league baseball team well, when yep. Ted Turner owned it, it was so fascinating. It's the Superstation. Everybody who had cable TV for the first time got to watch the Braves every night. And so I know Ted Turner helped on the TV side. Did he help on the radio side too? No, 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 because that's still today. I mean, that goes back to years. I've always, even as a kid, could listen to the Braves games on the radio. You know, the story with that, with Ted Turner, is he had bought two TV stations, Channel 36, WRET, in Charlotte. And WCTG, which was 17, uh, the Superstation. And he wanted to go national. And at that time, it was pretty cheap to buy space on a satellite network. Kind of a precursor in the 70s. Well, he bought the space and he wanted a Superstation everywhere. And he ran, you know, all pretty much he had was a lot of Beverly Hillbillies and, and Mayberry. And he wanted programming. So he bought the Hawks and bought the Braves strictly to be programming for his superstation. And a lot of rural folks, because at that time in the 70s, the national TV network was the Saturday, night, Saturday afternoon games with Gargiola and Tony Kubek. And occasionally there'd be a Monday game on, AES, ES, on ABC. Was no ESPN. Right. Was very little cable. So people throughout the country that weren't physically close to a, a major town that had a franchise uh, adopted that. That's why you'll see a lot of older people are Braves fans, because in the 80s and 90s, they grew up watching 
horrible, horrible teams, Claudio <laughs> Washington and, and uh, Felix Milan and, and uh, Raphael Infines and, I mean, really terrible teams. Dale Murphy was it. You know, Dale Murphy got back-to-back uh, MVPs, uh, 84 and 83. Even today, people just love Dale Murphy. Right. And he borderline uh, Hall of Fame. I mean, he really didn't have the longevity that you'd like to see in a career like that. But people loved to listen to P. Van Wuren and uh, uh, um, uh, Skip Karen. Ernie Johnson Sr. Ernie Johnson Sr. and uh, Don Sutton. Sutton. But, you know, it was, to me, it was always. P. Van Wuren, uh, Ernie Johnson Sr., and uh, Skip Carey. I love Skip Carey because Skip Carey would basically say whatever he felt. <laughs> I mean, if it was a blowout game, he'd say, if you want to go walk the dog, just please uh, engage our advertisers and we'll let you go. Well, well, one free reason, baseball. One of the reasons free we baseball. love baseball so much is it does go for a long time, and it's very family-connected. So Ted Turner put out the Braves nationally, and – if you had Comcast or cable, that was early. But then the not soon later after that was WGN out of uh, Chicago started putting the Cubs on all the time. And guess who was the announcer there? Harry Carey. Yes. So it's always fun. You could watch Harry Carey in the afternoon and watch Skip Carey in the evening. And you may think, well, that's not too exciting. And us old folks know, hey, that's the only choices we had. It's not like everything we have right now. Uh, I asked my wife who grew up well, in Atlanta. What she we thought got, of, we, we, we got to tie it in one more thing. The present announcer for the Braves is uh, Skip Carey's son, Chip Carey. Yes, Harry, Chip, and Skip. And that's not the real name either. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Greek and they Americanize. You mean they don't, they don't have a, a black sheep son named um, Harry Carey? Um, yeah, Scooby yeah, Doo you know, Carey or. No, no. Uh, By the way, anybody who knows anything about uh, Japanese American history knows the term Harry Carey has a very dark meaning to it. It does. It does. Back to my wife. Yes. So the story is that I moved from Michigan down to Atlanta in 1985 for a job. Met my wife. Were you were you you part of the Smoltz trade? No, I was not. Dole Alexander for Paul Arnold. You keep bringing that up week after week. I think. (laughs) Um, no, so I came down for a job, met my wife, and she was a big sports fan, which was very good for me because I love sports. And we went to Braves games, and um, I asked her last night when she said, hey, the Braves won, <coughs> excuse me, and I said, well, what were your favorite, or who were your favorite Braves of all time? And she shocked me in a way. She said, Phil Necro and the mad Hungarian, the guy who came in for a reliever. I forget his Al, Al Herboski. Yes, Al Herboski. And I was shocked. I said, it's not Dale Murphy? And she goes, no, no. The, the, I love to watch the pictures. And I was surprised. I mean, that's a wife, right? She doesn't say Chipper Jones or some hunk. She goes for the pictures or, or somebody that you don't expect. Thank goodness she didn't say John Rocker. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, thank goodness. <laughs> John Rocker. Wow. Yeah, so the Braves won, and they had an unbelievable performance by, I always want to call him Fried, but that's not how to say his name, is it? Max Fried, yeah. Freed. It's Max Fried, who they got from San Diego for a trade. So you know, the, they had a brief period in you know 2008 to about 2012 when they bought him out, and they, they rebuilt the team. And a lot of that was, was draft choices. Uh uh, Dansby Swanson, who's the shortstop, was the number one pick by the Diamondbacks. And the Braves flipped Shelby Miller, who they got from the Cardinals, a pitcher who flamed out immediately for Dansby because after one year, the Diamondbacks thought Dansby was a, a flop. He was a shortstop out of Vanderbilt. But he just needed time. I mean, he hit 27 home runs this year. And, and he's, he's never going to be uh, Louis Aparicio at shortstop. And, you know, now with the, the market overwhelmed with so many great shortstops, you know, Correa and Baez and those guys, I think he's kind of undervalued. But they, they've been able to do that is, is make some really great trades and, and pick up a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. It's a mixture of young and old. Uh, you know, Freddie is 
32. He's a free agent, but I don't see him going anywhere. No, he's going to stay. He's going to stay. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 again, it's, it's an interesting team. And, you know, the day after the World Series, everybody, the first thing they say is, uh, can you repeat? And, and again, that's so hard to pull. Travis Darnold was a guy who was an all-star with the Mets. Uh, he got cut by the inbounds with the Dodgers and the Rays, and it's kind of found his hitting a streak. They thought Riley was a bust uh, because after hitting when he first came up, he went through a, a swoon, but his rebuild his talent. Eddie Rosario I saw as an all-star for the Twins back in 2016, but he went to Cleveland and kind of disappeared, and uh, he found himself in the playoffs. Uh, Orde Solar, who was part of that Cubs World Series victory. Two years ago, he hit 47 home runs for the Royals, and he had a bad start this year, and they kind of gave up on him. So they were, they were you know, in Jock Peterson with his uh, pearls, and they got him from the Cubs. You know, the Dodgers had pretty much given up on him in that same respect. So it was, it's a lot of little pieces. It's, it's again, a lot of guys that, that, that other teams kind of gave up on, uh, you know, Masick, who who should have got the MVP, middle relief pitcher, was living in a uh, van down by the river. Uh, <laughs> Why are you doing Bill Clinton ago. right now? No, actually, that was uh, uh, the great, uh, late great Chris Farley. Oh, okay. All you right. wind up living in a van down by the <laughs> river. He was living in a van pitching for uh, the Sugarland Skeeters, which was an independent baseball team. He had been number one draft pick by the Rockies. And, and kind of got, um, he just lost his control. I mean, he got to the extent of uh, uh, trying to remember the pitcher with the Pirates who couldn't hit anything. Uh, Steve Blast disease. He got Steve Blast disease. He lost his control. Mm. Went, you know, went down to where he's living in a trailer. Thought he'd have to give up on baseball. And, and mm. pretty much to me was the MVP. So it's sort of like the Braves were the second chance club. That all these guys had a second chance or a third chance. And this is my big question tonight. Is baseball the most likely major sport to ride chemistry or to have team chemistry make a big difference? Meaning that obviously the Braves had a lot of team chemistry. Guys were playing out of their minds. They were all peaking at the same time. They didn't have the best record and yet they got hot at the right time. Um, of all the major sports, do you think any other sport depends on chemistry more than the than baseball? Chemistry or momentum? Which are we all right, looking? define, Mr. Professor Watts, define yes. chemistry and momentum. Okay, momentum is a uh, ongoing inertia which picks up speed over a period of time. Uh-huh. That's the physics definition yeah. of Tomeas. Uh what was the second word? Well, chemistry is like that. a reaction to each other, right? Chemistry is a class I did pretty good well in college. Chemistry is when you take elements and they mix together to create a volatile substance. So, I mean, I think we overrate chemistry. It's a nice little term, and it kind of fits in our definitions because we like people to like each other. And I don't know if if you have to have that. I'm more of momentum. Because when you're successful at something, you have confidence, and that confidence builds self-esteem. So I tend to think it's more momentum than chemistry, because I've worked with people I can't stand. I'm sure you have, too, and been successful. But but when you get that self-confidence and self-esteem, that momentum, things are just going right. It's kind of like you know when you're on the golf course, and you may not have picked up the clubs for three years. And the first couple holes, you shoot par, you feel good about yourself, you get confidence, you do better. I think that's that way in sports. I think chemistry is somewhat, I mean, everybody comes out and says, who's going to come out in sports and say, these guys are a bunch of jerks. I can't stand being around them. So this is our our first lesson in the Pardon the Confusion University. And we're giving master classes on chemistry and momentum any other sciences you want to touch here while we're doing well, it? Uh, it's just just remind i mean casey stangle who's probably one of the most uh successful coaches of all time managers in baseball and he used to say the key to managing is when you have a team you're gonna have five guys that hate your guts and five guys who love you to death no matter what you do 
And the key is making sure those 15 in the middle don't hang out with those five guys that hate your guts. Is this talking about churches or by baseball team? Any organization, <laughs> any group. I mean, I don't think I just maybe I'm an old cynic. I just don't think everybody holds hands in, in Kumbaya. Now there were, uh, and I've noticed this with most of the teams in the playoffs this year, there were little rituals. And I think sometimes those rituals are part of the momentum. Ah, uh, superstition. The science of superstition. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the the Red Sox, they would push a guy down the the when he had a home run, he'd sit in that shopping cart and they would push him down a laundry basket. Yeah, laundry basket, yeah. And they would push him down with the Braves. It was they, they did this uh sword slash. Uh uh and and they actually bought cheap swords, you know, dollar store not pigrading dollar store, fine establishment, fine retail establishment. Dollar Tree or buy, Dollar Store? Dollar Store, Dollar Tree, any of these who are looking to do sponsorship of this podcast, we <laughs> do endorse your products. But uh, basically, uh, uh, one of the backup outfielders, Heredia, had bought some of them and distributed all the players. So when they get on base, they make this slashing. Because you know, someone's asked me, is that the tomahawk chop? I said, no. That's the little sword thing. And Heredia was that guy on the bench that, that kind of was that booster guy you've got to have. Uh, the ML Carr. ML Carr was a guy who played for the Celtics. I say played for the Celtics. He sat on the bench for the Celtics. <laughs> he got paid by the but, Celtics to sit. Yeah, he was the towel waver. I mean, every, all teams have that type of guy. The guy who, who's the cheerleader on the squad, so to speak. I mean, the Heat have paid one guy to do it for 20 years, and he never plays. It's it's just that that individual that pumps. And that's what her radio was for this team. You know, just to keep them boosting, keep them going and everything. And you got to have that. I mean, you got to have the cheerleader. You got to have confidence in the manager. You've got to have a, a – uh, you've got to have management, which is stable. You know, well, one of the things Billy, that... Martin, Billy Martin won only one World Series for a reason. Yeah, he was a mess. But one of the things Atlanta has gone through recently is they didn't get the All-Star game uh, last year because of all this the – Oh, it's just this year. This There's year. all the political reasons. And yet they get the World Series. And that stadium is tr- quite a nice stadium. And I noticed that the Braves did a wonderful tribute to Hammering Hank. And last time we did a podcast, you said you think the Tomahawk Chalk is all the, is going, gone, gone, and they may change the name to Brave instead of Braves and maybe even to the Hammers. Do you Have you heard uh, any more? I, I think Brave. I've heard the Brave for a while. They'll take the tomahawk off the stadium, off the uh, excuse me, the uniforms. You'll see that gone. A couple of years ago, they did a uh, spring training hat with the old logo from the '60s, which is uh, called the Laughing Brave. It's, you know, he's he's doing a war cry. Yeah, and they pulled it off the market. I actually picked one up. And they pulled off the market immediately. They used to have it on the sleeve. Hey, let me be your agent to clearance all your stuff and and get your retirement going there, Ernest. I could sell all this stuff. That's a rare hat, man. You might be able to get $200 for it. I got that. I got my Baltimore Bombers hat. I have my St. Louis Stallions hat. You need to preserve this stuff and have, you know, an auction. A museum? A museum? No. Not like a presidential museum. It'd be like my museum. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I'm just saying, folks, he's got so much stuff. My my concern is it's going to get dusty or ruined or something. But I think his boys are counting on that money someday. Grandchildren, yes. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. They've already, that'll be up to four. But right now, the oldest has pretty much laid claim on most of this stuff. So. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's just the sign of the times. I mean, yesterday they took down the uh, Chief Wahoo from Cleveland's uh, progressive field and replace it with the new guardian imagery. I mean, that's just part of the chiefs have gotten a lot of concern about it, but you know, they've engaged. And when you go in the stadium, the first big advertisement you see is for uh, the Cherokee casino in, right. in Asheville, North Carolina. So, uh, but that's, you know, that's just a sign of the time. Names are just names. Right? I mean, I, I fully stand. If I live long enough, I may not see it, but you may, uh, I think you're going to see, kind of like Japanese baseball, the teams will have names of 
of businesses as a form of advertisement. Yeah, probably. Uh, but Ernest, I want to stick with the World Series a little bit longer. Okay. You are such a fan. You said you watched about 90 or listened to at least 90% of all the games. You've spent yes. hours and hours with your beloved Braves. So when they yes. finally won the World Series, what did you do to celebrate? Um, until that last out, I was really worried. <laughs> I get um, uh, one of our further uh, other members here of this group kept sending me texts and going, do you feel good? Do you feel good? And I'd say, after being up 4-0 on Sunday, no, I won't believe it to the last out. Uh, the last time this happened, I can tell you exactly what happened. So Saturday night, it was one nothing game. Glavin pitched a one-hitter. Uh, there was a reliever that came in. They had a line drive to Grissom. And my two sons, who are now 32 and 35, were at that time 9 and 5 sleeping on the couch. And they wanted to stay up and watch the game. And they fell asleep. And it was a riveting game. Like I said, it was one nothing. David Justice hit a home run. And I remember waking them up and going like, Thinking to myself, this is one of many. And as you get older, and I'm old, you you somehow realize you may not see your teams win a championship again in your lifetime. I've been lucky as a Tar Heels fan uh, to see many championships. You're avoiding I the have, answer, the question, too. I, I was joy. It was overwhelming. It wasn't Did you jump up and down? Did you hoot, holler? Call somebody? Well, I'm too old to run down the the uh, street like I did the first time. Ah, uh, I, I I did what is so I did something so 2021. I sent memes to you and to others <laughs> at 12 at 11:35 of Chipper Jones doing the tomahawk chop yeah. and Freddie doing like a raise the roof thing. Yes, yes, uh, it was. This is so unexpected. I mean, uh, if you. Go back to the past podcasts. I didn't think they'd win a series. I didn't think they'd win a game. I mean, you look at their record, but this is a, this is a special type of year. I mean, again, it's a lot like Washington did three years ago. It was an unexpected team. And uh, what makes it a little bittersweet is, is this might be the last baseball game for quite a while. And, and Sunday night's game is probably the last time that a pitcher other than Otani – will be batting because so I think the universal DH is coming and the game will be different. The sport will be different. This is kind of like, this kind of to me feels like um, 1968 and 1959, 59. There was expansion in 1969. You went from two leagues to four divisions and, uh, 95, you went to wild cards. And this seems to be a big change in the sport. You're going to see more teams in the wild card. You're not going to see pitchers batting. And, and I think they're going to try to address the, the, the speed of the game concept somehow. Yeah. You may seven inning games. We're, we're going to see seven inning games, I'm afraid. Which is going to, you know, baseball more than any other sport adheres to the records that's it, there's an importance to it even though the sport was played in 1887 is completely foreign to what we're playing now we still adhere to the records even though babe ruth never faced anybody but a white pitcher his entire time and never played a night game we had hold 714 to be the standard even though it's been passed twice already and and if, if these changes I anticipate, <laughs> it's going to be a different sport. So, Ernest, you have a complicated relationship with baseball, I think. Yeah, I have a complicated relationship with everything, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's like most sports. It's, I don't, it's, it's not a reciprocal relationship. I think, I, you know, you look, at, you look at couples sometimes, and you realize there's no such thing as a completely reciprocal relationship. It's never 50-50. One is getting over on the other. One's getting a better deal than the other. You agree? Yes, I agree. My wife definitely does more than you me. Is the, that the right thing to say, honey? Okay, good. Yes. Well, that's me, too. I mean, I'm getting the better end of the deal. Uh, that's, And I think that's true in sports sometimes. And I've, you know, I've invested whew, 60 years in following baseball. 
Yeah, 60 years. And because uh, I remember 61. I remember Maris and Mal very vaguely. And uh, we like to think it's a sport for the fans. And it's really a bunch of billionaires trying to monetize everything they can. That's why extra commercials during the World Series. I mean, Paul, I, I remember when World Series games were played <coughs> in the day, daytime. I know. I remember in school they would roll. What? How were you in 68? I was six years old. Were you in school, first grade? I was, and they did. did they, they they turned on the radio the, so we could listen in the classroom. Uh, well, they'd say in 69, they rolled in the TVs, and we watched uh, the Orioles and the Mets, and uh, and a lot of new Mets fans <coughs> showed at the time. But it used to be daytime baseball, and that was most of the games showed on TV. Most of the games were played daytime. And, you know, there's a disconnect, and a lot of it's societal. We've talked about in the past. Uh, fewer male-dominated households means less participation in baseball. Uh, the recreational leagues are drying up. Uh, to a certain extent, baseball, with their uh, the, the road teams and travel teams, has become as, as expensive as hockey, which eliminates a large segment of the population participating in. I mean, we used to play with wooden bats, and we would same team would use the same bat. We just pass it down, and now you have these specialized metal bats with graphite in them that run five hundred dollars. And that, yeah, back and, in and our day, happened. we made our own baseballs. We sewed them up, and we <laughs> we take nails or duct tape. If a bat cracked, we take butt duct yes. tape. Yes. Oh my gosh, tape it up and everything. I do remember and that. We, we actually played neighborhood ball. We did not have so-called organized you had enough kids in the neighborhood you went down the street and you played right and the, you determined who would hit first by throwing the bat up in the air toward the other person softly and catching it and they would catch it by the handle and then you do a hand over that and whoever was able to do a grip before the tip of the bat would start hitting first or choose when they wanted to hit they had to be able to take that tip and flip it over behind their back oh that was your rule that, huh? that was our rule you had to be you know you can just touch the top of it you couldn't put one finger on it. It had to be enough of a grip that you could flip it behind your back yes. in that respect. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a sport that I have seen sports die in my lifetime. I've seen horse, race, horse racing die. I've seen boxing die. Uh, I've seen, to a certain extent, I'm seeing motorsports die. And baseball's dying. And on life support. Uh, I don't know if it's totally dying. I just think they were used to being number one, and they'll never be number one anymore. It's always going to be. So where are they? I would say they're number three right now behind football and basketball. Hockey's still behind them. Uh, Soccer's still behind them. Uh, Motorsports. NASCAR had its moment for a while for about six, seven years, or maybe eight years, and then they, they lost their momentum. Um, yeah, so let's go to some real sporting games over this last weekend, because I know you watched more than baseball, right, Ernest? Yes, but can we do one more baseball before we leave? Sure. Not World Series related? Okay. Buster Posey's going to retire. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Hall of Famer? Oh, wow. I think he's so beloved. I don't think his numbers get him there on the first ballot. I think he gets in like in his fourth or fifth year? One of only five major league catchers to retire with a 300 batting average. Yeah, but his hits and home runs are not Early, great. Yeah, because of a small career, and I, I give you that. It, it, it's Again, it's the Dale Murphy situation. Now, he has three World Series rings, and you know his contributions to those pitching staffs uh, – Tim Lipscomb and 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 Bumgarner. I mean, it's some pretty good pitching staffs. So when he was gone or when they left, they weren't as successful. I, I agree, it's 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 a borderline situation, but he is so revered in that area. No, I don't think he's a first ballot. I mean, there's there's something about there's only been one first ballot. So, I mean, perfect named on every ballot. And that that was. 
Mario Rivera. Uh, yeah, I think eventually. I don't think it'll be an old timers type of situation. I think he'll get in, but there are a lot of you know who else is uh, if if this is Pujols's last year, and he certainly has got the gravitas to. If someone will offer him money next year, if they do go DH, someone will probably do it. But if him and Pujols come out at the same time, it, it depends on the candidates. But it's it's again, it's the guy that that I think we all appreciated, but but to a certain extent, I don't think he got the national exposure. But I digress. Let us go to other sports. Yeah, let's go to some other sports, and we'll go to football. Uh, football had a big weekend, and we both love college football, and then we both lament and gripe, oh, the season's half over now, almost more than that, and I have a lot of gripes for this weekend because I'm a hard-knock Michigan fan, and Michigan State took it to them in a lot of different ways. But what I want to get to is Georgia and Alabama, this looming showdown. Do you believe Georgia, this is their year to overcome all the Saban demons and win it out and get to the national championship game? If they had stability at quarterback, yes. But that that troubles me. Uh, I mean, you're playing two guys. You know, know, I've made my point pretty much made pretty well about this. Is I don't, you know, if you play two quarterbacks, that means you ain't got one good enough to start. (laughs) Unfortunately, in college football, part of the recruiting process is promising playing time to players. And it got Georgia in trouble because the guy they promised wound up going to Ohio State and now with the Bears. Uh, That, you know, that defense is one of the best defenses I've seen in college football. Jordan Davis, if a defensive player is ever again going to get the Heisman, he should. I mean, he's just a beast on the defensive line. He won't because they ain't got the guts to give it to him. Um, how do you feel about Alabama being ranked so high in the college playoff poll? Well, Alabama's done this before. They've lost earlier in the season than expected. As long as they lose within the first, let's say, four or five games, the CFP will – that's what they call them, right? College football. Yes, yes. Um, they will give them every chance to get back into the top four if they win out. You know, if they win out, they're back. There's no problem. And there's that trust in Saban approach, right? That Saban's done this before. They lose one early to an SEC opponent, and he corrects the mistakes, and they come back strong and hungry. And I think this is the rub. It's the TV show you've seen on repeat over and over again. And this is what Georgia fans are so freaked out by. They just know Saban always gets his team better week after week. And by the time they get there, you're right. I really doubt that Georgia's quarterbacks are consistent enough, especially because Saban will have something for them. The question for Saban is, does he have the depth anymore and the new offensive coordinator he's got? It seems like Saban's problem is defense, not offense. Um, yeah, they've lost the best linebacker. I, I haven't seen the improvement in this team that he normally does with an Alabama team. So it's a great and matchup. You've got Georgia's offense not so good against Alabama's defense not so good. And then you have the strengths. You have Georgia's defense really good and Alabama's offense really good. So it's a very great, intriguing game that I think everybody's hinging on. Um, up here in, in Michigan, we're watching to see how Ohio State comes back. They're the same thing. If they lose early in the year and they win out, they usually get into the top four. Um, and usually one team gets in the top four that's lost one game. Do you think this is the year we have two teams with one loss in the final four? We've got two in the top four right now, Oregon and Alabama. I mean, if 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 Oregon – and Ohio State both finished with one loss. How can you put Ohio State that lost at home to Oregon in front of Oregon? I mean, that would be a misjustice, misjustice right there. I mean, it, Oregon has to stay above Ohio State in the rankings if both of them finish with one loss. Um, Michigan State and Ohio State are going to resolve that issue fairly soon. Uh, I mean, that's that's 
the big games we're waiting for. I think Alabama's a lot of reputation because who have they beaten this year? They beat a Florida team that was destroyed. But they're like the Patriots. Georgia. You've told me this before. Until you can put a stake in them, they're not done. But yeah, the differential in the pros is it's the same team, pretty much the core from year to year, unless your quarterback goes to Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a different group. I mean, to the extent, I mean, I, I the real miscarriage of justice is Cincinnati, which is undefeated and they're sixth. And I think they're the best team in the state of Ohio and they should be in the top four. It should be Georgia, Michigan State, Oregon, and Cincinnati. That's the four best teams right now. Mm-hmm. But but again, it's this looming presence of the SEC. But this isn't a ranking of the conferences. These are the four best teams. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati has a quality win over Notre Dame. Now, if Notre Dame loses again, that's going to hurt theirs, but that's out of their, their reach. I mean, Cincinnati's done what everybody's asked. Well, that's I mean, why Cincinnati – Wake Forest is going to have to play Clemson. Wake Forest is going to have to play for a conference championship. Cincinnati is going to have to play for a conference championship. Well, Cincinnati wants to see Georgia beat Alabama so bad because that takes Alabama totally out of it. And they got to root that Oregon loses another game, maybe to UCLA or somebody out west. Um, But if Ohio State runs the table and Georgia beats Alabama – Ohio State's going to be in that top four instead of Cincinnati. It's the same old song over again, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is, is unless, and they've talked about expanding it in the future and everything, but one of two things are going to happen. They're going to expand the playoffs or you're going to break away. And the super conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the S, uh, the Big 12 and the Big 10 are all going to Pac-12 are going to create this this large conference, and they're going to drop schools like Duke and Vanderbilt and, and schools that traditionally never are that successful, and you're going to see this super conference, or they're going to have to expand, but it's not going to progress the way it is. Now, luckily, these teams, things tend to resolve themselves, but uh, like Freddy Krueger, I'm afraid you're going to see Ohio State in that Final Four. Mm, good comparison. I like that comparison. All right, so before we before we go to um, the pros, NFL, what's your favorite Halloween candy? My favorite is the Crackle Bars. The what? I love the Crackle. Oh, you mean like the Rice Krispies and the milk chocolate? chocolate? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so plain and classic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not. I won't turn my nose down on anything. <laughs> yeah, pepper, peppermints. That's more of a Christmas type of thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, peppermints. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty much there's not crackle. a lot that I'll turn down. Yeah, well, you yeah, must be I'll getting those crackle. bags of candy with a little bite-sized crackles in it, and Mister Good Bar or whatever in there too. No, no, my wife is looking out for my health, and I've got very little candy this year. Oh, so man. I've, and I didn't hit the dollar store the day afterwards either, so <laughs> I'm afraid that I uh, uh, didn't get any of that. I even tried to talk some of We had homecoming Sunday, so I tried to talk to the ladies at church. Bring all your Halloween candy to the homecoming. We'll use that for dessert. But that didn't work either. No, you don't want to do that. You want them to bring their banana puddings and their eight-layer cakes and everything else. I want candy. I want candy. Uh, Bring me the candy bars. Wow. Snickers, your Milky Way. Bring me your Snickers. Bring me your Milky Way. If you're tired, (laughs) you're sorry. Wasn't it Caddyshack where somebody threw a candy bar in the pool and they thought it was a turd and they all ran out? Yes, yes. Uh, It's Butterfinger. (laughs) Or Baby Ruth? Yeah, it was a Baby Ruth. Yeah. Because Bill Murray picks it up and takes a bite and the matron faints. (laughs) When they drain the pool, he goes and takes a bite and she faints. So, yes, (laughs) that is true. We got to do a top 10 list of candy bars sometimes. Yeah. That'd be one of our choices. Right. All right. Let's go to NFL. We got to wrap this baby up. All right. So we're famous for talking about, I think, over the last several years that we people overhype or jump to conclusions early in the season. 
But I think the panic button is fully pushed for the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think there's any other teams that were predicted to win quite big this year that have hit the panic button? Yeah, I, well, I think there's some teams of disappointments. I think the Colts are a disappointment. I think the Dolphins are a disappointment. I think people thought that the Eagles would be better than what they are. I think the Browns. Yeah, the Browns. I'll go with the Browns. Well, it's hard when Mayfield goes down with the injury, though. Well, well, you know, um, OBJ is just showing what he usually does, destroying team morale. You get it? Chemistry? Momentum? Yeah, yeah, momentum and everything. Superstition. I mean, having his dad do this video about showing all the times that Baker's not thrown to him. Right. and, And spreading these rumors that Baker refuses to throw to him in practice. I mean, this guy's been a malcontent. He was that of the Giants. That's why someone took a bet several years ago that Landry yes. would catch more yes. than he would. I mean, I, I, Beckham does these flashy catches, but he got LSU on partial probation for doling out cash at the national championship. He's just overrated. And and again, you got a team that's had injury problems on the offensive line. Baker's playing with a broken bone in his shoulder toughing it up and this guy's whining because he's not getting catches i mean it's he'll probably get cut so you know the browns i think because the browns i think had the second most games on national tv this year behind you know the cowboys who are always on national tv so i think the browns and the chiefs now the chiefs picked up uh, melvin ingram for the offense uh for a defensive pass rush but but they just I didn't think Watkins leaving to go to the Ravens would make that much of a difference, but their whole offense looks discombobulated. It just doesn't look as good. And watching that game Sunday, I mean, Monday night was just, a, it, they're boring now. The Chiefs are boring. They truly are. Because all you have to do is double cover uh, tight end at Kelsey, and, and none of the other receivers are that reliable to catch it. What's amazing to me is that you're seeing teams trading right before the trade deadline. You never saw that before with the NFL, or at least not until the last couple of years. And the Rams are like poker players. They're pushing all their chips in this year. Well, you know, um, why don't you? Because they got Stafford, and they're not going to have any draft picks in the next couple of years. Where's the Super Bowl at this year? Oh, L.A.? Yeah. They want to do the same thing that the Buccaneers did. They want to play a Super Bowl at home and, and build part of that fan group. Cause there are still, you know, their team that left that area once already. And, and they played in a cavernous stadium uh, up until last year. And last year there was no fans. So yeah, but they just let the fastest wide receiver that cut Jackson uh, today. Yeah, Deshaun's so, gone. And they yeah. get the, I forget the linebacker from Denver. They just got, um, Von Miller. Von Miller. I think he's a little past his prime. Do you think this is a good move? You put a bit on third down, you give pressure. I mean, uh, it, the idea of putting pressure on a quarterback is not always getting sacks. It's to rush him and rush throw off his timing so he throws interceptions. I mean, sacks are an overrated statistic in, in the NFL because usually – uh, oh, is it, Ernest? Point. I have a breaking news report. My wife is home, and she loves the oh. Braves. Do you love the Braves, dear? Woohoo! All, go Braves! We all love the Braves. There you go, folks. It's a little bit They're of her southern accent team. coming out, but not much. There's Amer- I'm glad that she hasn't lost it. They're <laughs> America's team. But, That's, I understand that. Uh, sacks are most overrated statistic because, again, again you, you do like putting them in third and second long. But more is like throwing off their timing to get interceptions. That's what a pass rush is for. You know, a lot of guys make a lot of money with a lot of pass rushes. Mark Gastineau. Oh. Uh, white courtesy phone. White who's the guy phone, who like Mark Gastineau. That won all the Super Bowls for the 49ers and the Cowboys. And big tall. Uh, Charles Haley. Charles Haley. He just cashed in because he's just what you're talking about. Get him in on a few downs every series and he can dominate for one play to make the turnover that's what the bosses do i mean the bosses are average uh run defense but they put the pass rush on it and that's that's the big bucks 
That's why a lot of your money is invested in left tackles because it's the blind side. What a great idea for the name of a movie. Hmm. That's the blind side of the quarterback, and that's your highest paid offensive lineman is usually your left tackle, not your center, not the guy who's got the most important job, who usually calls the blocking assignments, but usually it's the left tackle. Well, Ernest, our time is already gone, if you can believe it, so you got to give me your last couple of good thoughts here. I'm always doing this, fond goodbyes, but uh, a hero of my childhood, a gentleman who I actually met once at a Baltimore Orioles game. But uh, Tom Maddy is, uh, I know Paul doesn't like the fact that he played quarterback at Ohio State, but he played for the Baltimore Colts in the 60s and is best known for when the Colts got to the playoffs in 1966 against the Rams and the Green Bay Packers, um, Gary Quazzo, the back cor- backup quarterback, and John Unitas were both injured. So Maddie had to step in and play quarterback. Never done it in the NFL before, number 41. And he invented the first call sheet on his arm, put the plays on a sweatband on his arm, and that's how he called the plays because he didn't know it. And he led the Colts to one playoff win, uh, they lost to the Packers and a very controversial field goal kick by Don Chandler, which may or may not went over the goalpost. It led to the extensions of the goalposts, which were called Baltimore extensions to that extent. Later on, he became a newscaster in the Baltimore area for WBAL, but a class guy who wound up uh, the first couple of years for the Ravens did the uh, radio play-by-play for the Ravens. So, Tom Maddy passed away at 82, another one of my childhood heroes passing away, but always was a classy guy. Uh, as a child, read his biography, and, and uh, again, never had a bad thing to say about anybody. Nice. We need more gentlemen in this world, and that's about it for this podcast. It went by super quick. You know, my wife talked too much. You know, that was the problem. Just kidding. Love you, honey. All right. That's it for Pardon the Confusion. If you have comments, complaints, ideas, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. And for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.